Welcome back to Trying to Figure It Out. I am Allie, and this week on Trying to Figure It Out, we have Sarah Gardner. Sarah Gardner is the CEO of the Heat Initiative, a child safety advocacy group. Today's episode is definitely going to be a bit heavy, and I want to give everyone listening a trigger warning. We will be talking about child abuse and more sensitive subjects, and I just want to make sure that everyone who is listening, if you are comfortable with that, keep tuning in. You will learn so much this episode, and if you're not comfortable with that, feel free to skip this one. I totally understand that not everyone has the interest or ability to hear some of the topics we're going to talk about today. And before we get into it, for my listeners who are new here on trying to figure it out, we do exactly that. We try to figure out life. We talk about navigating life in your 20s. And this week, I'm so excited to have Sarah here with us. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so glad and excited to be here. And just to your point about like the difficultness of the issue, I'm really grateful to you for having me on because it is the kind of issue where sometimes it's easier just to turn away. So mm-hmm. the fact that you've even like acknowledged it and want to talk about it just means a lot to me personally. Well, that goes both ways. I'm super grateful to have you here. I think just in general on this podcast, I had no idea when I started it where things were going to evolve to. And I originally thought it was going to be mainly mental health and my own stories. And I've been so blown away by all the guests that I've had on and all the subjects that we've covered. I could have never imagined covering some of the topics. And I think this one is you know, new for me. I'm going to be learning language I haven't heard used before. I'm going to learn so much. And I know my listeners are too. And I'm super excited to get into it with you. So thank you. Before we get started, I kind of just want to go into your background, I want to start with a general overview of what the HEAT initiative is so that my audience knows a bit about what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. So could you give me a brief summary of the HEAT initiative and your mission? Yes, absolutely. So the HEAT initiative's goal is to get Apple to change some of its policies Mm -hmm. related to child sexual abuse imagery and video. Apple, as a company, is a great company, and they do a lot of things really, really well. But one area where they are seriously behind their competitors and lacking in um, solutions is around um, stopping the flow of child sexual abuse images and videos. Thank you for sharing that first off. And I'm excited to get more into it because there's so much to learn. But before we do that, I want to just kind of get into some of your background and who you are and how you got into this field. So can you share with me what got you to want to work on such, you know, a meaningful and intense topic and kind of how you got into it? Yeah, because I definitely can admit that growing up, I was not thinking I would become like a foremost expert on like technology and child sexual abuse (laughs) imagery and video. That wasn't like what I had set Mm -hmm. out to do. I traveled to Southeast Asia right after college. Um, My grandfather gave me um, a little bit of money as a gift and he was like, go out and like see the real world, which was an incredible, incredible gift. So I was in Southeast Asia Um, in Cambodia with a bunch of friends and like when you say friends you like acquire people as you travel right so like some were new friends some were old friends and we were sitting outside of a hostel um, drinking beers um, one night and um, this motorbike like pulled up in front of the hostel Mm -hmm. and this old white guy got off with this like tiny Cambodian kid behind him like she was probably like somewhere between like 10, 11, 12, and they turned and they just like walked past behind the table, like past the table we were at and just like went up the stairs of this hostel. And all of us were just like, what is happening? Like 
completely frozen. You could just tell. Yeah. Like you could just tell it was bad. But also because later on, like who came to pick her up was like an older Cambodian adult. So there was just something about their relationship. Like you knew this wasn't like his grandchild or something. Like it was just very awkward and strange. So they go up the stairs and we all just kind of sat there and I was actually pretty well educated on it. So I kept pulling out my travel books mm-hmm. at that time it was like books um <laughs> trying to find like what number to call like right. I was like okay this is like a trafficking situation mm-hmm. um like we need to call a local org or something and no but like nothing materialized mm-hmm. and so 25 minutes or so they came down the stairs this motorbike came back with a different adult on it and the girl like popped on the back off they went And then the guy stood next to the table and was like, it was just like dead silent because we knew he knew and he knew we knew. Right. And it was like, are we going to like call him out? Are we going to get like in a fight with this guy? Like what's the vibe? Yeah. And you're in a foreign place. So you don't really know like the personality types. You don't know the culture. You don't really know what you're getting yourself into. And so instead he was like, I'm going to go get some food. And like off he walked and... Honestly, like the regret that I have from that one experience Mm -hmm. of not like doing something like going up the stairs and banging on the door. And it's like the really sad thing is that kid probably dealt with that all the time. That fueled me and continues to fuel me for a really long time because I think about she's probably 30 now and I'm 38. And it's like, why... So you ask about why I do it. It's like, it's so fucking random that I'm like privileged and get my life and haven't had to deal with that. And she was born there and that's her life. Yeah. I applaud you for doing this. It's not easy and I'm sure it takes a toll at times. I'm sure, you know, you have to raise awareness on this stuff and share it, but I'm sure you have to, you know, more details than you're sharing to everyone else because you have a goal and you have to be, you know, concise and to the point and not always share every detail. So I can only imagine the things that you have in your mind and that you've seen. And I'm sure it's very intense. So Well, I appreciate that because they do say, like, once you know, you can't unknow. Yep. Um, in this field in particular and, and having seen um, sanitized images Uh, So I'm not law enforcement, right? So there are very few entities that actually ever see abuse images and videos. But I have seen sanitized ones. And even that has been a process of figuring out how to hold those. Like I literally hold it in my brain in a different section. Mm -hmm. And I have to keep it blocked off from my own life. A hundred percent. You have to compartmentalize, but in a way that's still like safe for you mentally. Cause sometimes compartmentalizing can like, there's a thin line between compartmentalizing and suppressing emotions, you know, (laughs) it's a very thin line. (laughs) Yeah. So I totally understand that. So for someone who doesn't work in the space and knows really nothing about this side of the internet, what are the facts and, you know, the things that we need to know about child sexual abuse material? I really appreciate this opportunity to share it. And I was thinking about all the positives aspects of connection online, Mm -hmm. right? And like, it brings people together. It gives people community. Yeah. The obverse of that is true as well, right? Um, So In the late 1990s, early 2000s, the agency in the United States that 
um, was the most sort of important in child sexual abuse imagery cases was the U.S. Postal Service mm. because it really? was all traded in the mail. That's insane. So the way they would catch people is like developing it at like a Kodak right. store, right? And then putting what it in the mail. What a different time. Oh my That's God. Insane. It's insane. So I would have never even known that. I know, right? And That's so, crazy. I mean, first of all, it's kind of amazing because the Postal Service were like the heroes of yeah. this issue then. So that was kind of <laughs> awesome. But the other, the other reality of it is far fewer people created it. Print, like participated in it and shared it yeah. because the threshold to participate was so high. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you meet people right. to be like, oh, hey, do you want to share a trait? Like, so you had to risk so much more mm-hmm. to participate. That kind of leads me to another question Please. that just popped into my head. So how big is it imagery wise yeah. on an iPhone or an iCloud? If you were able to get Apple to do what you're trying to get Apple to do. Yeah. How many people would that actually protect? So I think to answer that, I'll kind of like work into it backwards, which mm-hmm. is to say that, so you had the like physical manifestation of it, right? But then once like the internet came along, that blew open. So I think there was something right. like 6,000 cases in the US in like 1999. Mm-hmm. In 2021, there was like 22 million reports of child sexual abuse images and videos sent to law enforcement. It's really, it's insane. Now it's like really important to remember that that's not 22 million kids. And I also should say, and this is probably like one of the harder things to say on the podcast, but is important like when we talk about like what it is, it's illegal content that does represent like the rape or molestation of a child. Right. And the majority of the content produced are of prepubescent kids. Right. And is this used as like, is it pornography or is it photos of like just photos out there of children being abused or is it both? No, I really appreciate that question because there's been a huge um, push in the movement to get rid of the word pornography because pornography like we think of like adult pornography right, right? which is not illegal and can be totally like right. healthy and fine but the word kind of insinuates that people are participating in it of their own will right like it's performative right even the term child pornography made it sound like either a not that bad mm-hmm. right like oh maybe it's like young 20 year olds in like cheerleader costumes right do you know what I mean like looking young right but what we're actually talking about is kids themselves that is then illegal content it is getting like more violent and more abusive um so not to go into too much detail but like you will have a series where an adult abuses a kid the first few images of that series will be like more benign um, because they want to make it like feel like real life. Who so, is consuming this content? I, it's, I, know. I know that might sound like such a ridiculous question, yeah. but like I'm genuinely like it's like is it are we entering like just regular internet and social media or is this like yeah. are we entering like people are going through like the dark web to get Both. this content? With the explosion of the internet, it made the content more accessible. Right. So the problem with that, there's a number of problems with that. One is people who didn't or wouldn't consume it before are consuming it just because it's there, right? So like on Pornhub, 
like they're actually doing a much better job now detecting and reporting it and removing right. it. But like a few years ago, like you could find like content of kids easily. If you think about people who abuse children, there's a portion of people who abuse children who are thought to believe to be like pedophiles, like have an actual potentially like genetic predisposition to it. So some of those people are abusing kids and recording it and putting it on the internet. Some of them are not, right? Mm -hmm. There's this whole other segment now of people consuming, sharing, storing child sexual abuse content Mm -hmm. who wouldn't have been doing it had they not gotten access to it and kind of gone down the rabbit hole. And actually like one of the most just draw-dropping moments that I've had working in this field is I gave a talk at a really prominent company like maybe eight or nine, eight years ago. And this guy came up to me afterwards. This was so brave. And he was like, you know, I first got exposed to child sexual abuse content in, I mean, he said child porn, but in in a forum, Mm -hmm. like in an AOL forum. And I like got addicted to it. Wow. And I started like looking for more of it. He openly admitted that He admitted that to me. And he was like, by the time I was like 18, 19, I was an alcoholic. I was like, because he was like, I didn't even want to be looking at it. I just like couldn't break my consumption of it. So he's like, I totally stand behind what you guys are trying to do because had it just not even been there, I don't think that whole thing would have ever even happened to me. That's such an interesting perspective. Isn't that crazy? That's really interesting. What is your response when someone is so open like that to you? I gave him a hug. There are also people who are just really aggressive and mean towards children and don't think that they should be safeguarded and like that they're not of value. Mm -hmm. And those people are like abusing kids in really awful ways and putting it on the internet. Those are the people on the dark web. Got it. A lot of those folks who are, it's like some of the stuff where you just start to like, lose touch you're like how could this be like human Mm -hmm. a lot of that content that gets made on the dark web makes its way onto social and we shouldn't discount social because social also is where people meet each other and then it's like much more not out of the ordinary now for those people to be like hey do you like content with like really young girls like really really young girls as you're talking I'm just coming up with so many more questions please I kind of want to get into like a little bit of language stuff yeah so can you give me the like what CSAM stands for and just kind of give an overview of what it means yeah yeah So child sexual abuse material is the, like, terminology that we've come up with to replace child pornography. Right. It's just hard because the arguments against that terminology is material sounds very, like, clean, like, very, like, benign and isn't saying what it really is. This is like one of the biggest challenges that we have faced. And I was just with a bunch of experts in the field. We were having this debate. Like we were like, should we just start saying like end child rape? But it's like, that's That's, so intense. That's so intense because people aren't like, when you hear that word, it's so like, there's so many like thin lines between all these terms. Like pornography is not always the right word. And rape is not always the right word. And material is a little bit more, like you said, benign. It's like. There's no perfect word to, you know, 
describe the content that yeah. we're talking about. But yeah. I think that's why this conversation is also so helpful to be having. Yeah, I appreciate that. And no, and so it's like we don't want to use something that's so intense that it alienates people even more from mm-hmm. wanting to learn or like wanting to get to get closer to understanding. So CSAM, the acronym of child sexual abuse material has been sort of like the academic way of talking about it and right. one that's kind of agreed to. I I do think it'd be important to talk to survivors or people with lived experience and ask mm-hmm. them, you know, how do you, how do you want us to call it? Like what's, yeah. how should we describe it in your, like 100%. from your perspective? You mentioned some of like the numbers that changes from, you said 1990 yeah. to 2000s. I want to humanize this issue more, even though I don't think it necessarily needs to be humanized any more than it already is. But it's one thing to hear all the numbers that you you know gave out and know that it's absolutely horrific. But it's another thing to give context to the children behind the facts. Is there a specific example from your work that you can share with me? There was a case like in 2014, 2015, where there was a child being abused and her perpetrator, who ended up being her stepfather, was one of the types of people who went to every length to hide what he was doing. Mm -hmm. So imagine taking videos of him abusing this child and that was like eventually raping this child. And then he would take the time to like blur out any of the detail in the background. And then he would also like scrape the EXIF data off of it, which is like data attached to a photo that can like help you determine maybe like the camera maker, like things like that. For a second, if you think about it, like your law enforcement, you get a photo of this happening to this kid and literally you're like, where in the world? You have no clues. Right. Because in the dark web, all the, you know, it's IPs and everything is, like, hidden. Mm -hmm. When they found the images of this girl, it was clear she'd been being abused from, like, four, and she was now, like, eight. This went on for, like, four years. That's insane. Now you added two more years of them looking for her. So they put in a name into Facebook and up popped a, a public profile photo, and in the public profile photo was the parents and this kid. And so this case specifically, and then just like on a larger scale, are most of these children, and was this child in like captivity? Was she being held hostage? Or was it just like she was just living her normal life and this was going on at the same time? Yeah, so this was happening when the mom was at work and he just scared the shit out of her. And so she didn't tell anyone. The part that was so frustrating was that you looked at that case and you saw like 19 different moments where technology could have like been faster right. or like could have helped find her right. so much more efficiently than like especially what ended up now. happening, yeah. especially now. To push that even further, like that child is now recovering. Those images of her have been shared probably close to 500,000 times. And, like, right now, today, there are people online asking about her right now. Hey, do you have that series? Hey, do you have that photo? I really liked that one of that girl. Can you? Does anyone still have it? And that's why we have to get the companies to take it all down. Because mm-hmm. these kids who go through this do not recover because they know that people are still trading it and right. sharing it 
and looking like, at it. The trauma doesn't end. It's still no. being shared and used. Well, thank you Sorry. for sharing I know, that. It's a no, lot. it's it's okay. It's just, I'm processing, I know, and I know. it's a lot. I, I mean, I don't. It's so much. I don't. I, I applaud you for being able to. You know, thank again, you. I know you're able to compartmentalize clearly very well, and you speak about this in such a, you know, an educative way. Thank you. But it's it's hard, and it's hard to hear, and it's crazy yeah. because there's so many things out there that we don't even know about, and as social yeah. media users who aren't even thinking that far, you know, we're just opening TikTok and we're scrolling every day. We're not thinking of, you know, what else is out there. I would have never thought that Apple would be a good place to even start with this issue. You know, I would never put that together. And so I guess that kind of leads me into diving deeper into the heat initiative and what you've been doing the past year. So for someone who is completely new to this topic, (laughs) could you explain the campaign that the heat initiative launched specifically towards apple and what you are calling apple to do yeah so apple made a commitment in august 2021 to begin detecting child sexual abuse on their platform and then they walked away from that commitment and they've expected that no one is gonna come knocking on their door saying that's not enough but we're here because we now represent the community of people who are saying no, Apple, you don't get to just ignore or turn your back on this issue. Mm -hmm. And I have the absolute privilege of working with some survivors of this extremely horrific crime. Not only is there content on iCloud, it's used to groom other kids, um, and it's used to normalize child sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. We are asking Apple to detect known child sexual abuse images and videos on iCloud, the day they turn that system on, there will absolutely be a child who's identified who's being abused right now. There's something that you just said too. I'm actually like interested in asking like you and other people in social media to decide if we wanna change it. Like what are the rules that you guys wanna set yeah. for yourselves? A hundred percent. But I think the hard part is that like that content doesn't even approach me. Like I'm not, I don't really mm. see videos that make me uncomfortable. And when I do, I click yeah. that this made me uncomfortable or sometimes TikTok will ask me, did that make you uncomfortable? Or is that the type of content yeah. you want to see? And so I think because these algorithms are so, so good now, so many of us are, you know, we're blind to I what's see. actually happening. We have no idea because literally we have something called a for you page now. Like that <laughs> is now a thing that exists yeah. for content users. And it's good and bad. Like you, yeah. you've been saying this whole conversation because there's so much that you can avoid now. It's right. so catered to you specifically that if you don't seek it, you don't have to see it. You don't have yeah. to know that it's out there. You don't even have to know that it's a big problem. You you wouldn't know. Yeah. And so I guess that is where, you know, my points came of being like, why Apple? And like, how much could this actually help? And how many people could this actually help? Because I would have never even known yeah. that this would be the first place to start, you know? Yeah. No, it's interesting though, because like also what you just said though is content moderation, right? That yeah. It's like TikTok <laughs> being like, okay, you want this and not that, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at other movements that have happened and like when changes happen that's been positive, like if you look at the climate world, right? It's like, if you're like a big company now, at least in the US, mm-hmm. you can't be like ruining the environment and be allowed to continue operating a business. No. So 
we need to figure out what are like the emissions of tech companies right. and then like regulate them and we need to like make them change it and so a lot of that will be laws and some of that will be yeah. regulatory but also some of that will be consumer i know with csan it's not getting served to you which is great it absolutely is getting yeah. served to other people on unmoderated less moderated platforms so just in terms of how this relates to child sexual abuse though and the amount of people and then like why apple the reason that apple is important is who has taken the heat for this issue to date has been meta twitter forward facing social companies right. because people can can go on like there was actually just an article on about this like there are open profiles on instagram trading csam right now how <laughs> because they don't find everything them. like they report it's like that always confuses me because so much gets reported and taken down on the daily like if you say the word like die on tiktok they'll sometimes just delete your yeah. video but then you're telling me this and i'm like what are we what is the priority here boom <laughs> like, what what That's are we the answer someone said the word die and we're deleting that video the, to be fair and this is the point i do want to make because i know a lot of people who work at the companies on content moderation and they are like the heroes of our lifetime yeah. because their job is to basically look at everything awful and get everything awful off of everything all the time. Right. They're not the problem. The problem is the higher ups at these companies who see their work as like niche, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh yeah, we have a little trust and safety team. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they, right. they need like, billions of dollars they need to sit at the ceo level they need to advise you on how to spend them like it's a cost center for these right. companies so they're not excited about pouring more money into it because it's not making them more money right so apple has been able to kind of hide behind the fact that it's not a super social platform right we did a bunch of data collecting over the summer and to try and like dispel this myth though mm -hmm. and so now we have over 300 cases this was just looking for like eight weeks right. of people arrested with like 4,000 images of CSAM in their iCloud account and then also like iMessage being used for perpetrators to sort of groom and sextort kids um, right. Apple's specific role in it is that they are facilitating the storage and the sharing right. by not by letting it sit on your phone. Right. So even though it's not a social environment where say like a really bad guy is able to like identify 30 teenage girls at one time and send them all like abuse content or a message like, you know, Instagram where he's getting like sort of fast access to people. Mm -hmm. If any of those girls end up taking like abusive images of themselves and sending it back to him or whatever, he can keep them in his iCloud account. Right. Apple has sort of hidden behind privacy, which we can talk about next, but also just sort of like, oh, well, we're not TikTok. We're not right. Twitter. We're like, this is your personal data. And so they just haven't really been called out, but they knew they had a problem, which is why they created a solution to the problem two years ago and came out and said, we are going to start detecting child sexual abuse content. Right. And we were all like, thank God <laughs> we've been like waiting for you to do this. And then they ended up changing their minds. And that's also part of this is like, you don't get to tell survivors of this 
content like oh we're gonna like do right by you and, and then, then just take it back leave you in the dust so what exactly are you calling on apple to do we want them to prioritize children over profit and look for child sexual abuse images and videos on iCloud. So Apple, two years ago, announced that they were going to start photo scanning and, you know, working on fixing this problem. Why did Apple give up on that? Can we talk about the word scan? Yes. The word scan makes you feel like everything is being looked at, right? And then, like we see in your whole pile of all your other stuff this, that is a word that's been like weaponized by privacy people to scare us into thinking like all our data is scanned. So the word that more properly actually identifies the content or the technology that we use is detect. Mm -hmm. So what we're asking is for Apple to detect known child sexual abuse images and videos it's like fingerprinting. Right. So once it's known, it has a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Anywhere it goes on the internet, you can say, just look for these 15 fingerprints and it will only find those, those. bad images. And this technology exists. A hundred percent. So that's really important though, because I think I am a privacy advocate as well. Right. I don't think that companies should have unfettered access to all of our data. Right. I don't think they should be looking through every single photo with their eyes to be like, is it this one? Is it that one? But there's technology that can do that without other people seeing it. That's it. This is really a conversation about weighing safety versus privacy. So do you think it's possible to have both? Yeah, and respectfully, I would love to challenge the notion of that question because Mm -hmm. I think that that is actually a false binary that's been set up between these two ideas and that they actually completely coexist, which is that we can protect children and have their safety top of mind while also, like, not having our data stolen or abused as, like, adult users on platforms. 100%. As a society, we make certain agreements all the time. Mm -hmm. One of them is you actually can't have absolute privacy in certain situations in order to have safety. So when you go on a plane, your Mm -hmm. bag goes through the detector. Oh, I love where this is going. This is such a good analogy. (laughs) I can already see where it's going. Right? (laughs) Because you don't want to get on a plane with a bomb. Right. But if you don't have anything... in in your bag. No one's watching. No one's cares. Literally. I can understand that like what you guys are advocating for is not everyone's photos to be watched and looked at and, you know, totally invaded, especially if you're saying it's a technology thing. If there is a literal technology that exists where it's not people sitting in a call room, you know, looking through all of our photos being like, oh, because that, that feels invasive. That feels invasive, but also I don't even think that's realistic. Who has the time to be looking at it? But if there's a technology that can detect something so crucial that could save children and protect children and just the children who are already safe, if it can make them feel like the content of them is not existent anymore, like those are, again, I don't really see how you can even question which one should be more prioritized. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, just to pick up on like, Two things that you said. I like what you're saying about what are we willing to give up on behalf of others. And to your point about the urgency of this, 
Um, those cases I was saying we collected over the summer, a few of those were cases where there was somebody with known CSAM in iCloud, and then those people were going on to abuse kids in real life. Mm-hmm. Those kids wouldn't have had to be abused if that yeah. had been detected sooner. So I am certain the day that Apple decides to do this, kids will stop getting raped. And I know that's intense to say. No. And it might only be one that first day or two, but like to your point, to me, that's like worth the whole fight. Mm -hmm. 100%. So I kind of want to ask you, what else do you want to tell my audience? What can we do as content users to help this cause and help this initiative? Yeah. I love this question. And I think I would like put it, I will poise it back to you too, which is like, what do you think would be kind of the best like rallying cry or like what would motivate people? The thing that gets me the most is I'm on TikTok and I hear a story and a story impacts me to then keep looking for more stories and keep learning Uh more. Okay. So I think like, again, like humanizing the cause is super important. Giving people that, you know, human context of what we're actually talking about like this isn't just a number this isn't just like another person who's experienced something really traumatic it's like these are all people and like giving that context is helpful so for me like the content Mm -hmm. that I consume on TikTok I consume a lot of like people's stories people sharing their stories or other people sharing stories on other people's behalf and I think that that is a good way to lure people in I love that I I really appreciate that advice and I think it's something we're actually actively working on. Um, the The sad part is that a lot of the kids who've survived this particular crime, because it's saved forever, I'm, I can't think of the word I'm thinking, memorialized mm-hmm. in images and videos, they can't show their they don't face. Want to show, yeah, they can't show because their Because they have people stalking them and like, looking for them like, oh, do you know where that kid is now as an adult? The challenge that we have is we have to create that attachment. I think you're right. Otherwise it becomes this like philosophical debate. This issue is so horrible and dark. There was definitely this feeling like when I started learning about it, there was this feeling of like, maybe we can all just like get this done without having to engage the public Mm -hmm. because like, that feels a really hard but b also like we don't want to make people sad about like and so we as a field were just kind of like doing all the work (laughs) and then we were like oh we'll be able to and there was this moment um I was at like a retreat once with a bunch of us and and somebody got up and was like we have to expand the group of people who are like carrying this burden Mm -hmm. because it's we're not going to be able to get it done just by ourselves. And so that's why what you said before about, you know, the same way we look at like emissions. Yes. It's like, that's such a good comparison of what we need to get this to. It's like that, that known awareness of like, okay, I'm driving a non-electric car. What does that impact on the world? Yes. Like that's just like a known fact. It's so instinctive. All of this that we're talking about is super specific to CSAM, but I'm wondering what is your opinion on TikTokers and content creators who are comfortable and open to sharing life as a mom or a single mom or, you know, just a happy family with two kids? What is your take on that? And do you think that there's a world where it can be safe for content creators to post their daily life with their children and Mm. be authentic, but also 
be safe to do so? Yeah, it's definitely a loaded question. It should be safe if that's their choice to do that. I Mm -hmm. guess I've been working in the field too long in the sense that knowing that bad people took advantage of that and did something really bad with it is like my norm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not surprising. I think everyone's decision about their kids is their decision. Um, I Right now, I would say that it doesn't feel safe enough to me if I was someone really well-known right. to have the face out there and feel like I had control over it. Right. Feels kind of far-fetched right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is also like a decision that you as an individual make. I think where it starts to really toe the line is like when it gets exploitative in some way. My goal or sort of my focus I think would be more about are those parents having active conversations with their kids Mm -hmm. too about like the nature of their safety and what steps they're taking. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. We have covered so much in this episode and I just want to start off by thanking you and telling you how grateful I am to have you. you here to share this with me and to allow trying to figure it out be a place where you you know continue this conversation and go deeper into this conversation I do love to end on a really positive note because I know that this was a bit of a heavy episode so I do this thing at the end of every episode where I it's called Alpies 3 I pick three songs that I add to a playlist after and it basically is just a way to bring music into the podcast I think music is something that brings everyone together it's a positive thing it can just kind of make you feel better. So I wanted to ask you, what are three songs that you just can't stop listening to in the last couple of weeks or months? Oh, I know. This is so bad, though, <laughs> when you're like the mom of three little people, because um, you're listening like, to do you want my music. honest answer? Because <laughs> yes, these songs are going to end up in your... <laughs> I do. I want okay. the honest answer. Like the recent one that somehow like took off with my six-year-old is Living La Vida Loca. Oh my God. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. We don't know why... It, that is like his jam. I love that. Um, and then I've been listening to this song called The Eye by Brandy Carlisle. Mm. Um, it's really beautiful. And it's like you can only like make stuff happen in a storm when you're standing in the eye. And it's kind of like how I felt launching this whole thing. And um, we've been doing a lot of Barbie. I'm Barbie's sure everybody's saying that. I'm just going to add some Barbie songs. Just add some Barbie. I love it. A thank lot of Barbie. You. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. I, again, cannot thank you enough. To everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Please tune in next week. We'll have another episode for you. And I love you guys. And thanks for coming on Trying to Figure It Out. Thank you. Thank you.